This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Well, this is just something I worked up. Uh, I'll do it for you. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. I'm Jake and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast, the podcast where we take a play or film that has never been staged before or is never likely to be staged again and we talk about how we stage it. This week I'm joined as always by Caleb. Hello. And actor, friend of the pod and all-round ball of positive energy, Gemma Dorbley. Woohoo, I love that. Thanks. Um, so this week, Caleb was helpless when he read this. He brought it to me and I couldn't say no to it and Gemma was willing to wait for it to come on the podcast. Um, that's right, we're talking about... Hamilton, the play, written in 1917 by Mary Hamlin, and uh, it is credited to George Arliss, although according to some memoirs I've written, I've, I've written, I've read, <laughs> <laughs> I've read, um, she, he didn't know much, he didn't even know Jefferson was, was president apparently, so he didn't really contribute as much as yeah. we maybe think, um, but Man, for, for right. obvious 1917 <laughs> reasons, maybe he got, got more credit than he deserved. So yes, that's what we're talking about. Jeremy, do you want to give us a quick plot summary? Um, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> you looked at us like, this is the biggest honour I've ever been given. <laughs> quite shocked and doctor, my brain is working enough for this. Um, yeah, glad no one can see my face. Okay, basically, it is... About, what year? What are we going for? Like, what's... Uh, it's like 1789. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of like, just like, after the interval of Hamilton the Musical. Yes. Um, it's... Yeah, so basically it all it all starts in what's it like? It's like a pub, uh, a meeting house. What's it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah coffee, coffee house. A coffee house. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, an exchange coffee house, and um, it's a meeting of some of the most important men in sort of like America's political history. Basically, um, who have we got? We've got Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson, uh, Schuyler, Philip Schuyler, James Monroe. Uh, James Monroe. Thanks, Caleb. Uh, Giles. Who is Giles? Uh, of no great historical significance, a but a bad bloke. Yeah. And basically, they are discussing what is kind of like the hot political topic at the time, which is the the state's debts and whether or not the uh, a central government is going to assume these. And basically, this is Alexander Hamilton's bill. Oh, yay, man of the hour, man of the play. This is like a lot of exposition. And basically, it all ends, the sort of, that, that kind of like act culminates in a bad plan developed by Creepy Giles and James Reynolds, where they're going to try and trap Hamilton. Uh, blackmail him so that he can give up yeah he'll give up the bill and um yeah this involves james reynolds wife yeah scandal ensues yeah exactly um basically occupies the space like halfway through the second act of hamilton the musical pretty much yeah so it's kind of like the state steps bill which is all the like room where it happens stuff and how that comes about and then it's also like you're saying the sort of james reynolds um, Mariah Reynolds scandal um, with Hamilton and it kind of brings all of those together in one stage play yeah yeah. we had a lot of fun with it reading it didn't we <laughs> it, did. yeah. it was a lot funnier than we realised um, it, it had some really yeah, good some of it intentional humour some of it not so intentional <laughs> <laughs> so we're thinking about putting this on in today's world mm-hmm. um, I might have put a suggestion which is what I think would be quite cool is given it's kind of a, a straight play look at a small section of events in more detail that happens in the musical. 
I think it'd be quite cool if we if we could say I know obviously we're not really doing this, but if we could find a pub opposite the Victoria Theatre and put it on sort of in that kind of place where we don't have to have all the kind of big technical elements that we've talked about in other episodes in this series, but we can have it in that small space, half one one of the actors actually set in a pub or or a coffee house, that kind of area. And I think that'd be quite fun. What do you guys think of that kind of thing? I think that'd definitely work. I mean, a lot of it is about much more about sort of the characters and the sort of witty back and forth that they have with each other mm. compared to some of the other stuff we've looked at. And well, it's very much drama of the time, isn't it? That it's yeah. highly domestic in its like focus and yeah. Yeah, and all of the action too. could fit within a pub very yeah. easily. Definitely. Um and and yeah, and kind of that playing off of the fact that there's now this huge Ham- Hamilton musical that is like massively popular. Yeah, and I like that opposite the theatre. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of different, and 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 this is a completely different look at it in, in many ways. A lot of the characters are characterised quite differently. Mm. Um, mm. So yeah, that'd be really cool. I, I actually watched a show recently um, called Singing Out for the Lads that was set in a pub, and they actually built like a temporary theatre that was a pub, and in the interval. Um, the audience members could go and they could play pool on the pool table and play on the table oh, footballs and get drinks really from the cool. pub. So they literally could occupy the, the space of the stage and it was all done in sort of the round as well. So you could do something like that where yeah. kind of convert a pub into like an audience around the pub space and then they can all use the pub space in the yeah. interval. And, and then even after the interval they can sit in that pub space <coughs> and then turn and watch the house on, a, on the other side maybe. Absolutely, um, yeah. Something like that could work really I well. That would be really fun. Yeah. I also think like with this play... Mm, like and primarily a product of when it's written, but I think it would gain nothing with big tech elements. Mm. So there would be no point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to want you know a big uh, a flash and suddenly yeah. Thomas Jefferson appears. Yeah. Okay, so we're setting it in in this kind of technically minimalist space. Then, um, so we want to focus on on the characterization and and how we're going to talk about that. Yeah, so we can start with that one. Act ones in in this the plays that were written at this time tend to be quite slow. Um, because people tend to turn up to the theatre late. Um, so we kind of don't see much happening until kind of the end of the first act. But we are introduced to these uh, rather nifty characters that we we know quite well from other places. So we've got Talleyrand, who's our French man, who is, he introduces some concepts to us that we wouldn't otherwise get. So we have the concept of centralised government, we have the concept of the difference between Washington and Hamilton, we have the concept of having a, a little spree, as he calls it, um, which uh, is to say going out on the town, even though he, he seems to be married. He's, yeah, he's very much like an expository character, mm. but also like he's quite fun. And yeah. like, like he's, he's like a French count who is hiding from the French Revolution, but like for some reason hiding in America. Yeah. He seems to know all of the sort of American politicians of the time and yeah. stuff, and and know them, yeah, sort of. Well and has enough. quite strong opinions yeah. on American politics. For someone yes. who then also sort of doesn't seem to care. Yeah, exactly. He's got this idea that like a republic is a bad thing, but he's also willing to like give his ideas of what a republic should look yeah. like. So it's mm. yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, but yeah, he's a kind of fun, witty character. I think you very much want to go for someone who's going to bring the comedy out of that. Sort of in the way that like uh, the Lafayette character in the first act of the Hamilton musical is like very much play into like at the f- at first he's like a bumbling Frenchman kind of thing. Mm. I think you can very much get that from Talleyrand mm. um, in this, and that could be quite funny. Yeah, silly. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that pretty much sums sums him up because he's he's that kind of like in and out character that just does yeah. things for you in the play. Yeah, and you'd absolutely you'd have him like sort of dressed very well. Like oh yeah, like and I, I think are we doing period dress? I feel like we should. 
I feel like we have to. And that yeah. would be really fun as well in a pub where everyone's coming along just for like an evening of like drinking and seeing something. I, I also think it's quite important actually, like the practicality of a pub setting. Yeah. Is, you know, if you decide to, I don't know, like make it modern or whatever or like have sort of more low key costume, it's like yeah. where you, it's, it's you harder look? to pull people's focus. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, if either of you managed to get to the, um, the Gatsby. Uh, Promenade Theatre production no. in, in London. Um, <laughs> I live in Jersey. So <laughs> I see nothing. <laughs> uh, regional theatre, please come back. Um, um, but yeah, so so in that, in in that production, you're encouraged to come in sort of period costume. I love um, it. Which is very fun. fun. And they always, there's always moments where they pick out people who have not done so, and they make quite rude fun of the way you've dressed um i went in tracksuit not being quite aware of this so um i was picked on um no, they, that they, is fun though and, um, and you could have that whole thing of in the interval as well you could have some of the sort of more minor actors who probably have a little less to focus on could interact with some of the audience in that in that oh interval. i was i was actually thinking for talleyrand um because he is such, such a hilarious character who actually leaves um fairly early in the play that he becomes an audience member and i think a running commentary from talleyrand on this domestic drama would be hilarious. That would be a lot of fun. Um, some yeah. some free programmed heckling. I like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's let's move on to some of the other characters we we meet in this first act. Then, so uh, grouping them together, we meet James Reynolds, Monroe, and Giles, who are our kind of schemers. What do we think about them? I mean, I th- I guess starting with Giles, he can be like real slimy he's like sort of like he's almost caricatured doesn't yeah, he? yeah like journalist hack kind yeah. of like like real grim character like really willing to like do anything to get a scandal and get a story and you know we've... <laughs> he has more good vibes yeah yeah well, um, even worse than that well not worse but like worse, worse? in a different way like <laughs> like real like really like you know yeah i imagine him being very sweaty like very like damp <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Must be a sweaty person. Oh, no, you can make someone look sweaty. No, you, no one else going with me here on the. No, no I think. Right. Yeah, no, I think, no, I think, I think <laughs> in general, yeah, we we present him as someone that is kind of like um, yeah, an epitome of a bad man, basically. Yeah, unambiguously a bit of a dick. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay, and then we've got. Monroe and Reynolds. So Reynolds is kind of overhearing this conversation. He starts off. Selling money for a long time. Um, he's he's, selling. I'm selling. Um, so the idea is that uh, currency is not centralised yet, and money is the not idea worth. Idea can be summarised in like very few lines. <laughs> the money, money is not worth the, literally the paper it is written on. Um, and so James Reynolds is going around the pub in most of Act One, trying to sell people money. And at the end, he overhears this conversation about how they're trying to dupe Hamilton and Giles and. Uh, is looking for some some dirty scheme and Reynolds offers up his wife essentially, um, which is not great. So yeah. uh, again, you've got to really paint him as a terrible man because <laughs> he because he is. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I, I think as well though. I think Giles is like you can have him as almost like a Steve Bannon type. He's just like visibly a, a grim person to everyone, <laughs> whereas. Um, Whereas Reynolds can kind of put on a bit more of a... Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and because I also think we need quite a way of differentiating a lot of these characters because a lot of them just, yeah, seem like powerful men. Mm. Um, And I think that's, particularly in period dress, they would all have dressed the same. Um, And obviously some like Talleyrand is a really distinct character. We'll get on to Skylar, he's quite a distinct character. Um, But I think particularly with these three... 
So do you think maybe Reynolds is more of kind of like a sales, like kind of um, yeah, like a property salesman? Yeah, definitely. Paint kind on of that smile. Yeah. yeah, he's more of yeah, like a door to door, a car yeah. salesman kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I think that's fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and then Monroe is a little bit less evil. Um, he, <laughs> Yeah. A little bit, a little he, bit. It's more complicit than... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wants he wants a way of getting Hampton in the dirt, but he maybe doesn't think that... Maybe does, is he even aware of the scheme? Does he leave before I think he, it's schemed? I think he does leave before the scheme is, like, concocted. So I, I think you can definitely do him as someone who's a bit sort of unaware of that. Well, it's ambiguous in the script. I think yeah. it's like it's sort of like a directorial decision, is that how mm. much do we think he knew? Yeah. Again, it's this thing as well of these are all, not only are they sort of all similar in the way that they would have dressed and the kind of background they're coming from, but also they're, they're all very ambitious men. They're all men that had very specific ideas about what they wanted for their nation that they were building and they really wanted to put them across. And in that way, it's great because it means that Monroe, Monroe and Jefferson have, like for the actors that would play them, have very clear intentions to go for, right? They All they care about is their state freedom and where the capital ends up. Yeah. And that, and in everything they do, even when it's the sort of witty back and forth, it's all about how can I undermine Hamilton to kind of get my point across mm-hmm. and get my point to win, uh, even though they know that it won't win. So I think, yeah, Monroe can be a little bit more moderate than the other two. For me, actually, like Monroe is interesting to look at in conjunction with Jefferson. He feels to me very much kind of like, was like Jefferson's hitman. Um, so like mm. Jefferson is the power and Monroe is kind of, yeah, is sort of like his hands on the ground. And that's yeah. how later on, I think, in that sort of like final act, that's how I think like it's quite yeah. a good dynamic to play. It's fun as well because, uh, again, we don't want to keep comparing to the musical, but we've got that, you've got that whole thing of, of Madison in the musical is kind of Jefferson's like hype man. Yeah. yeah. Um, he speaks, I think he does a lot of the talking for Jefferson. Mm. Um, and then Jefferson kind of just puts the big sort of like stamp of approval mm. or decides that they're going to leave. Yeah, so so let's talk about Jefferson then. So he he talks in uh, in policy, doesn't he? He he doesn't yeah. really talk to people. Yeah, no. absolutely. I think that that that's kind of interesting in and of itself. Is that Jefferson as a character is so performative? Mm. Um, like there's there is. I don't think we ever really see the way that Jefferson actually feels mm. at any moment, mm. and. And he and like you know Hamilton gets angry and gets excited and agitated and Jefferson never does that uh, and Monroe does that but Jefferson never does so I think there's kind of something interesting in someone very like speaks slowly and controlled and calmly and kind of always at least has the impression that he's in charge of the situation even when he's not mm. got any control over it which yeah. is quite interesting yeah uh, and he, I find interesting this this thing where he always refers to everyone as a citizen which I kind of equates with the kind of comrade thing where you're trying to make everyone well, it's a performative act of equality that yeah. actually confers on it like a real statement of power mm. because with by him I don't know like, it, it, like he gives everyone that sort of like epithet that it's a real statement because he, you know it seems like he has the right to this right to, to confer this it on yeah, them yeah to confer yeah. on them exactly yeah you are a citizen if I declare you one yeah yeah and even he declares Talleyrand a citizen whilst he's in America yeah. despite the fact that he's not a citizen of America and he's going yeah. back to France the next day yeah it is that thing of a way of controlling people is by giving yourself that power mm. of, of sort of their citizenship or mm. identity um, I think Jefferson would have to be an actor with big presence because there's a lot there's a lot that can be done with his silences exactly he doesn't do very much no. throughout 
and like even when they're um, debating with Hamilton, Monroe does much more of the speaking. Yeah. But it's about um, his yeah again his, his presence powers, his yeah, yeah. him being in the room changes the room. Where it happens. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> Go. <laughs> well, should we move on to the? You number started it. I, I, mean, <laughs> I thought you were gonna do a pun in it where you were like, we all gathered in the room where it happens at the beginning. You mi- you missed another. I, did I miss one? I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, so. I mean, no, so we should move on to the room where it happens then. We, we have missed out one character in, well, other than the extra citizen extras uh, in the pub, which is uh, Melissa. Melissa. Who is we haven't actually talked about Philip Schuyler either. Oh, he does come he in, doesn't he? He comes yeah. in with his gout. Howdy. Yeah. Oh, his about... bloody gout. Um, but maybe, maybe we should talk about Philip Schuyler in the second act, in the context of the second act then, because in the first act he just kind of overhears... And talks about his gout. <laughs> I, I, can't his gout. we talk about the gout? Is this... Okay. <laughs> I want to talk about it. it yeah, it, in the play, Philip Schuyler has gout, kind of inexplicably. Like, and also... Every, very inexplicably, because it was very common. Well, yeah. yeah, every single line he says has some reference to his foot. Yeah. Um, and people always ask him... Um, people always ask him how his gout is. And he and it's always, his emotions in reference to his foot. It's always at that moment that he has asked about his gout that he feels twinge. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just... It's like a psychological thing, isn't it? Like, as soon as it's referenced, he's like, oh, yeah, I have that, ah, that bad gout. Ah, yeah. yeah. Which I guess is, is a thing, maybe. maybe. I, don't, I don't know. It's very silly. Um, this is, this is, is, is going to be a yeah. comedic element. Like, it's, until, like, the final act, he's definitely played completely for laughs. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is ridiculous. That's, <laughs> he was think, such an important man in American history. That's something I'd, I'd say about this whole first act, because it is exposition, and we are in a pub, we want to grab people's attention. I think, yeah, I think characterization. I think everyone has to be caricatured to some extent. You can particularly play with characters like Count Talleyrand and Skylar and the gout gag, but mm. I think just the whole atmosphere as well should be very rowdy very raucous mm. like, well, I think what you can do as well is a lot of laughter like it, yeah and like and, in a traditional yeah. theatre setting it's like okay everyone you know get your drinks get to your seat whatever you could just be like leave the bar open for that yeah, first for sh- act oh, for yeah. sure. let for people sure. do act one how act one would have been done which is people yeah. not quite sitting down yet and, well, they, exactly. and even, yeah exactly And but even in the stage directions there's banging on tables there's people jumping up on chairs and I just think that energy will be so important mm. yeah absolutely and I think yeah you can just so, bring the audience into that yeah yeah, yeah definitely that's really yeah. cool. Um, so, um, let's move it on. Let's yeah. let's say we're we're in Act Two now. We're in the room where it happens. Yeah. Mm. And Jake did bring up Melissa, who was the tits in the uh, first act. Um, <laughs> we haven't said anything about her. She's a barmaid. She's there. The script doesn't say very much about her, which no. is a real shame. Yeah. No, it says a, it says a lot about her, but she says nothing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's, that's true. true. It says a yeah. lot of the things yeah. she does. This yeah. is I find it fascinating how these plays are written at this time, where the stage direction is being written so precisely. Mm. There's a three-page description of the of this house we're about to enter out to. Yeah, sometimes they um, also just miss out like really yeah. key details as yeah. well. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. I think with Tennessee Melissa, Williams-esque, though. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Like, absolutely. I don't know, yeah, I think yeah, it's one yeah, of the yeah. beautiful parts of his plays. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say about Melissa. I think I think you, you could have her behind. Oh the yeah, bar. behind the actual bar. And That's going to be. She wise. doesn't have to go anywhere or anything, and then, yeah, and the actors come to her. And yeah. it'd be really funny if she misses a cue because someone is actually behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you probably put other people behind the bar with her. Yeah, <laughs> she can be milling. She's yeah, not, um, not, she's not the actual <laughs> only person running the bar for the whole show. The entire bar. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so Act Two, Philip Schuyler comes in to Hamilton's apartment after a brief 
exchange with Ezekiel. Um, we need to talk about Ezekiel. We need to talk about Ezekiel. I think we do. Yeah. We the the, the writing of Ezekiel is dated, to say the least. Um, Ezekiel is Hamilton's black servant. Mm-hmm. And the way that he is written as a character, but also the way that the other characters interact with him, would be considered like very offensive in yeah. today's culture. Now, there's two options, right? There's the kind of like... Um, I guess like Quentin Tarantino choice of well that's how people acted in those days and so we can keep the use of the n-word in there and we can have him speak in this uh, sort of really badly written vernacular mm. uh, African-American vernacular um, and we can do all that and we can be like well this is a comment on what it was like at the time or we rewrite it so that Ezekiel is treated as a human being and acts like a human being and actually has some agency I think that that would be the better option, personally. Um, yeah. I think the thing, I know criticism of Tarantino is often is that if you're going to say something about how people were treated mm. then, that has to be the focus of your narrative. And it has yeah. to be what this is about. And I don't think it is in this case. There wouldn't be space to make it about that. Yeah. Because it's about Hamilton. Yeah. Who was a white and man. <laughs> for that reason, I think I agree with you. Yeah. But I think that that wouldn't take much work. Because actually, Hamilton treats him very well, yeah. and there's a, there's a relationship there. And I think that you could actually just build more into the relationship between Ezekiel and Hamilton, and make it about, actually, there was, at that time, an ability to have those relationships yeah. Yeah. between, you know, race lines, which, you know, is often seen as like, oh, no, that nothing could happen, as, you know, friendship or anything like mm. that. I think there is a bond there. there definitely and is. And I think you can build more into that um, in rewriting Because it's not... Ezekiel doesn't talk to Hamilton in a kind of like yes master kind of way. He talks. I don't know, to we him. talked about a lack of agency, but like yeah. he 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 addresses Hamilton and he try, he's you know I think he tells him off. You know? Yeah, he tells him off. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of debate in this act about food and Hamilton being so busy that he can't eat. Mm. Too much debate about food, I'll say it. But um, <laughs> and, um but yeah, you know Ezekiel is trying to yeah. to make sure that Hamilton is eating adequately and yeah. absolutely. I think yeah, it is and the way that discussion. it's currently written is patronising towards EQ, I feel. Oh, for sure. So there's just sure. a way of changing that. But again, I don't yeah. think they'll take much work. Yeah. And again, I think it's about, in a similar way to Talleyrand, I think that the person who plays EQ can be like this really sort of bright, vivid character, really mm. vibrant person that lights up the stage whenever they're on. Because actually there's serious conversations that ZQ cuts across and interrupts and he, because he's bringing people in, he's advancing the plot a lot of the time because he's bringing the next person in mm. to strike up the next part of the conversation and I think there's a way of making that interesting making that character feel like they have some kind of control or power over the the movings within Mm. the Hamilton household I also think as well it's about a lot of the way Skylar treats Ezekiel is about competing for like Hamilton's attention Mm. and Hamilton's best interests and I think it's that's more interesting to focus on I think as a character trait of Skylar than than contemporary racism. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. And yeah, and I think we'll come onto it later on. But I think that the again, it's this thing of this play really lets a lot of the people in it off the hook. Yeah. And and actually, there's a way of not letting them off the hook, but actually making it that the play's not letting off them off the hook. Mm. Um, but it is still making the points it wants to make about you know yeah. Hamilton and who he was and what he did. So yeah. 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 Okay. I think I think that's a good solution. Yeah. Mm. So after this talk about whether Hamilton's in or out or whatever the ZQ and Hamilton have, Skylar comes in and he gives Hamilton a kind of warning 
and then they have this argument about where the capital should be, um, which is quite cleverly done, I think, for the conversation that is about to happen. So let's talk a bit more, more about Skylar then. Um, so other than his gout, um, what character traits does he have? Um, I mean, the, he's very much treated as, and acts as, a father figure to yeah. Hamilton. Mm. And there's, you know, he's an orphan, and she's, uh, he's the father of his wife, like, there's obviously a relationship there. Um, but he also very much steps into those shoes. I think that you can definitely have this thing of Hamilton really respecting Skylar, but also kind of wanting to be more radical, take the ideas that Skylar has and put them in a different direction. So, yeah, very much, like, apart from his, his gout and being this sort of bumbling comedic character, a lot of what he is is his relationship to Hamilton, his relationship mm-hmm. to his daughters, um, and kind of the way he acts as a father in that household, uh, a kind of that patriarchal figure. Um, but also how the younger generation is kind of pushing against that father figure slightly, because mm. um, Hamilton does disagree with Skylar. He literally puts him outside. Doesn't yeah, he? yeah. He and, Ham- shoves him outside. and Hamilton is cleverer than Skylar, mm. like, and that's just made clear. And it's really interesting to see this the the sort of the youthfulness of Hamilton in the way that he pushes against Skylar shows that he's right when Skylar is wrong, mm. and Skylar has to accept that. And I think that's quite interesting. So we we are given this information by Skylar to, to Hamilton, and then enter. Is it Monroe and Jefferson? Just those two? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so I think this is an extremely clever part of the play where uh, Hamilton uses the arguments that Philip has given for the capital being in Albany to pretend to the other two that, that that's where he wants it. And he pretends to be very caught up in this thing um, and then leaves the room deliberately uh, in such a way in which they can confer and decide that they'll try and bargain for what, for what Hamilton really wants, which is the assumption of state's debts in exchange for the capital being in, um, in what ends up being Washington, um, which I just think is really clever. Yeah, it is really, really clever. And it shows Hamilton's cleverness. Mm. and it, But it also, it, it does it in a way that doesn't make Jefferson and Monroe look like idiots. Mm. Like, their, their position in the end makes sense. They yeah. care more about the capital than they do state's debts. It, that's a sensible position It's just Hamilton's have. knowledge of this that is the real power. Yeah, and his way, the way that he can sort of dance around his own opinions and it's interesting because it's he's very principled mm. but he's also willing to use others opinions to make sure his principles are put first yeah. well I also think like Skylar is really important in this bit because you get certain interjections from him outside on the balcony mm. when he hears about Hamilton talking about Albany and like seeming to take his take his ideas and I think that's that's a really powerful thing to use because it's that yeah the idea of Hamilton just being ahead of the game yeah and yeah, having Skylar as that foil, really. Yeah, and you've got this... I think it's quite a funny image of having yeah. Skylar just outside the room where it's happening and to have, <laughs> um, to, to have him kind of overhearing and, and getting all excited about all the yeah. when, yeah. when that's not... It's very clearly to the, to the audience that that's not what's going on. Yeah. yeah. And um, in a pub as well, this would be really fun because you literally can put Skylar, like, through a door in the next room. Yeah. Whether yeah. that be, like, you know, or back b- in the... Behind like, a window or In the store yeah. or whatever, you know. Like, yeah. it can be literally, like, anywhere that's, like, just out of where where he's meant to be. But or whatever, still visible, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thing you've got is you've got this... More of this difference between Monroe and Jefferson where Jefferson is not willing to call it a bargain, but Monroe is. Um, and that kind of thing. I think that's quite an extension of that dynamic we were talking about earlier. Yeah, that thing of Jefferson's kind of almost too respectful of the political system he's within to call it what it is, whereas mm. Monroe is like, no, 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 this is a bargain that we're <laughs> yeah. making. And there's, yeah, that difference is really interesting. 
Um, I find that quite interesting. We'll we'll get to her later. But when um, Betty Hamilton comes back and they're talking about, um, you know, Hamilton's lost quite a significant amount of money and she's confused as to where it's gone. And she quite quickly understands that it might be on bribes. That's the exact word she uses. And I think that's really interesting because we have got this um, this conflict. And that's why I really like the pub as a setting because you have got this conflict between kind of this, yeah, pretense of moral uprightness and this burgeoning politics and honest politics and then also the reality of sort of underhand dirty dealings. And I think a pub is quite, I don't know, a pub is quite a symbolic representation of that as well because you get very serious sort of like political and moral chat in a pub, but also traditionally mm. it was... It was a meeting house. And was, yeah. In this period, it's the one place where, like, the sort of there would be a lot of mix. Well, maybe yeah. not in America, but in Britain, a lot of mixture between classes. Classes right? for sure. Um, so that's yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, we're about five hundred meters away right now. We're very lucky to be from the first ever coffee house um, where Jeremy Bentham put his leaflet about utilitarianism, and that's how those ideas were spreading. Like those times where people would meet in those places, and I think that's really cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's finally get to the first female speaking part in the play, <laughs> um, which is um, Mariah Reynolds, who turns up on, oh, that was a very awkward laugh, uh, who turns, who turns I'm up I'm going to say it, guys, Melissa has some lines. Yeah. Does she? Yeah. yeah, she does, yeah. yeah. But not many. Not many. I didn't But she has them. I know you didn't. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. It's all right. It's okay. it's all what right. did she say? It's up the little lines of like, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She says them. <laughs> okay, my bad. I'm very sorry. Yes. Mariah Reynolds. Mariah Reynolds. The first... Character with agency. Yeah, for agency sure. And boy, does she have agency. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that struck me was that it's presented quite differently. Again, not compared to the musical the whole time, but in the musical it's ambiguous whether she's in on the plan or not, where it really isn't here. Yeah, in this, yeah. she's completely like, her husband has told her she's going to go and sleep with Hamilton and that's going to cause a scandal and she knows that that's why she's going there. I also think, actually, the greater ambiguity here is kind of like the element of pleasure really because I do think in the musical like and the whole song mm. kind of like say no to this and mm. everything um like it's yeah it's it's highly sexualized and I think here obviously a product of when the play was written we don't see that side as much it's much more about the yeah this the kind of I don't know what like the the duping of Hamilton and about um this pretense um and I think that's quite interesting. And I think the language he uses is very coy, yeah. as is his language in yeah. that moment. And it's, again, yeah, it's... But it's much, I would say, like, on reading it, it's much more of this kind of language of political wheeling and dealing than it is of sex and a sexual relationship. Absolutely. Like, although this is, like, all taking place in a domestic st- setting, it's a political drama. Oh, for in sure. In its language entirely, even in yeah. the moments where there's an affair taking yeah. place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How are we going to do this bit? What do you think? I mean, <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? Like, as in, so we don't see anything; they just go out the door. Um, in fact, it's it's incredible the amount of stuff that happens in the interval, actually, uh, considering how much we're spoon fed through the first act. Yeah. Um, what I mean is, do we do we want to create a kind of sexual tension that is sort of stirred up by Mariah, who comes in and 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 tr- and a kind of seduction kind of thing, or do we want the kind of thing where Hamilton's been thinking about this all day because of all the stuff that's happened before with the the little spree and whatever that when Talleyrand comes in um and then we we just see something pre pre to the seduction does that make sense that's that's the question yeah so it's about Um, yeah it's about whether it's being initiated by Mariah or it's something that's like kind of already there yeah I mean I think 
that's an interesting one. I think it's yeah, because it is that it is all about that sort of political language that she's using and that he's using. But actually, she has control of the situation in a way mm. that he doesn't. Like at every moment, he's like rejecting like what he knows are going to be advances, but also he's not rejecting them. He's like saying verbally he's rejecting them, but physically he's not. Um, so I think it gives more due credit to Mariah Reynolds as this sort of like character that has control and has an ability to control a situation. I think here, like we can we can take a cue from the script because it's said in a stage direction, quite a great stage direction, that like she she kind of like um I can't remember what the action does, but like she turns to the side and the audience can see that she is acting. Mm. And I think that stage direction is that's really important. Mm. And I think that's where we take our lead from is mm. that actually she is putting on this really great act um of seducing him. And I think yeah. And I think there's moments throughout the play that are perhaps a little bit like hammy and that's a moment that like it like the the stage directions are almost like asking for hamminess. Yeah. And you can kinda of, in that pub well, set you can kind I, of give it like Yeah, I think I don't know, I think that has a place. It could be done that way, but I also think you can you can just make a really important contrast with how I yeah, I guess how sh- strong Hamilton is and, and how like morally upright he sort of like pertains to be trying to remain um and kind of the overtness of Mariah yeah absolutely yeah I mean yeah it's the whole play is about performance right like, yeah oh all definitely of these different people are performing Jefferson, as know. different characters yeah. yeah and this is a moment where that is like heightened by the stakes of this this will become a scandal yeah um and so yeah I think you can yeah you can definitely do that okay so we're into the second half now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, move a bit quicker. Um, essentially, we have the scandal occurs, the scandal is reacted to, is essentially what happens here. Yeah. So Betsy, Eliza, is back from England with Angelica. They um, make it very, very clear, if it wasn't already, that Angelica has been ill. Um, <laughs> and very quickly, people come in and we have this conversation that is presented in the musical in the song... Uh, what's it called? We both know what we know. What's that one? Um, yeah. Whatever that song is. What we know. Isn't it something like that? Crap. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And we have this moment that is... It's the bit where Hamilton is being, um, what do you call it, confronted by, in the musical by Jefferson and Madison and Burr, but in this it's Jefferson and Monroe. And also Skylar and Judge Jay are there. <laughs> I don't know who Judge Jay is. Seems like John Jay. I don't know who that is. Okay. I don't know my history well enough. It's yeah. There's just lots of people in the room, and there's lots happening. I was just going to say just before that, there's a quite an extended conversation between um, Betsy and um, Ezekiel, where Ezekiel was very concerned about Betsy oh. on the ladder, and I think that's a moment again where you can make it like Ezekiel really cares about this family, and it's more about like oh, look at him being look at him being concerned for me when I'm actually fine, and actually like no, he's being concerned for you because you guys all act in silly ways which is mm. again a kind of oh yeah it's the whole thing. curtain I was going to say I, yeah. also, I also think um, something that can be drawn out as well is the tension between Angelica and Betsy because mm. Angelica definitely fancies Betsy's husband yeah. not, not subtle in any way not no. subtle yeah. in any way um, yeah we thought it was over in the musical um, yeah yeah this play is even more so um, but I think but there's some quite 
I don't know, quite dark humour in that sort of like Angelica like shaking the ladder while Betsy's trying to adjust the curtains. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I forgot about that. It's yeah. Fun. Yeah, I thought this was after that first thing. That's no, why no, I thought that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah, and then you have this kind of moment where there's the three of them in a room and it's just, they're just flirting. Yeah. That's, that's all that is. Yeah. And it's, it's very strange because, well, I wonder what, I think, there's a way of, I think there's a way of drawing out humour from that. I think it's meant to just be a funny moment. Yeah. Like this idea that like Angelica just really fancied Hamilton is played as a joke in this, mm. right? Wherever like, you know, again to compare it to the musical, it's played like quite tragically in that. I, I think that there's oh, a I, d- I I don't know, I'm gonna disagree, disagree actually, yeah. Um I think there's some I think there's some quite interesting statements made about the uh, the worthiness of a man. And of a husband, because there's this um, there's a comparison made between Angelica's um, husband John at home in England and Hamilton and Betsy saying, "You can't possibly love your husband John in the way that I love Hamilton because mm. he's just not as clever and he's not as powerful." And that's, I think that's, yeah. and in yeah, and, it's interesting and in 1917, yeah. I think that's quite interesting as well. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that is interesting. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we can definitely get a lot out of that. I think. Yeah, I think I was thinking like the humor comes in when Hamilton comes in, and it's oh all, yeah, like, when the three of oh it's oh it's definitely funny. Yeah, but I I think we'd make a mistake to lose some of the edge. Yeah, I, oh, think, I think it's uncomfortable. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's gonna be an awkward moment for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Watching, yeah, that should happen in the audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've got some, I think, fun moments there at the beginning of of the third act. Yeah. Um, and then we have this kind of revelation, which is... Actually, can I say one thing? Because yes, we haven't actually talked it. about... Um, this is something we want to talk about with the potential multi-rolling here. Oh, yes. yes. Because... So who's playing who? So yeah. I, well, I thought another... Quite, we'd have... Betsy would be um, an actor just in their own right, just playing Betsy. But um, I thought to have Melissa, Mariah Reynolds and Angelica all played by the same person. Which would require some very quick changes. Very quick changes, but I, that's so possible and quite funny in a pub because if everyone can see someone literally just, I don't know, like well, putting on could, a different wig or whatever. Or, well, my yeah. thought was that because it, yeah, the way that you can play Angelica and Mariah as well is that like, I feel like for me Angelica would be dressed up in like lots of layers and like she's just been ill and all yeah, this yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you can literally just have the difference of like a big long coat or something coat, yeah. between Angelica and yeah. Mariah. And and yeah, to see that, like I, I saw this um, production of Othello um, at the Sam Wanamaker Playhouse in London, where the Prince of Venice is played by the same person as um, Rodrigo, and mm. um, the moment where Rodrigo is killed, and then the Prince of Venice comes in. Oh yes, I'm really yeah. Rodrigo dies on stage, and then he reaches down to where there's been a crown stored, and he puts on the crown, and then just stands up and is like, "What's gone on here?" Yeah. It's like such a funny <laughs> so moment. Funny. It's so good. Yeah. So yeah, I think we could definitely do something like that. Well, I just think it's quite funny because it's it's two women competing for Hamilton and Hamilton's attention, mm. um, and I think we've talked about. How much we've talked about? Yeah, is Mariah a pawn? Does she have some agency? But I think it's it's just quite interesting to to make that comparison, really, because and I think that's we'll talk about the conclusion as well. Um, but I think this is that's kind of how women operate in this play: is that Hamilton is kind of the axes around which they must. Turn. Yeah, it doesn't pass any of the tests we do today on, <laughs> no. on feminist writing, but um, no. 
I guess that's just that's that's, that's what we're gonna get out of something right now this time. Yeah. Even by a woman. Mm. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the end. Let's talk about the resolution mm. of all of this. <laughs> I'd be tempted to rewrite it. I, I think. Agree. Yeah, definitely. So um, the way it's resolved in the script is. So ev- everyone yeah. who was there for the revelation, including more people yeah. that we've not even seen yet, <laughs> but important sort of historical figures, mm. uh, arrive to... Um, and th- there's also... <laughs> they arrive to tell Hamilton that, like, it's all okay, he's not going to lose his job um, because uh, he stuck to his principles and he's a, he's a good man. And, and then there's even, like, a bit where they, like, talk about Washington's going to arrive as well, which, is like, is... It's actually, I found it so funny when I was I reading say. it because it's just like so over the top. And <laughs> it's like the also, whole. But Skylar is. Skylar arrives on like different business. He's yeah. just there to like see Hamilton. That's like at this moment that Skylar and sort of like Judge Jay are around. Yeah. It's like that. That's when Jefferson's going to appear and yeah. like they're going to release this plot on. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Kind of, yeah. Even Eliza changes her mind. Um, yeah. And so I think so. The point we think they're trying to make right is that. Infidelity is seen in 1917 as, as like the wrongest of the wrong. You know, yeah. it's still seen wrong now, but it's seen as something that you just cannot come back from. And I think they're trying to make some bold point about he stood by his office and he saw that as more important, and uh, that's something somehow noble um, without uh, yeah. considering the effect on anyone else. I guess the point <laughs> is, that, is that a sort of private human scandal should not impact the yeah. sort of public. Um, influence that someone has um but yeah without thinking about the actual human impact on anyone around but it's also it's an it's an elevation of honesty like it's a combination of his honesty and his willingness to step up and tell the truth in order to save his political yeah and public office but glossing over the dishonesty of infidelity i think the way it reads in today's culture would be like giving a man a free pass, yeah, yeah, to sleep definitely. around, and that's just not okay. <laughs> so, and the speed with which Betsy decides, yeah, yeah, she is going to leave Hamilton to actually, I'm going to stand by you, you powerful and intelligent man. It's everybody's talking about Jamie levels of southern yeah. characters, which, yeah. oh, um, yeah. so just what do we want the message to be at the end? Here? I mean, so I think, and this is just spitballing, so perhaps we could rethink it as we go but but I, I think that you could have some of this sort of self-congratulatory men congratulating other men for being honest or whatever at the end but you still have Betsy leave mm. um, and that that gives this idea of okay what you did wasn't okay and that's going to take time to fix it isn't fixed but still all of the men are like oh you're, you're just so good because you've done everything you meant to do so as in at the end you would be sympathising with um, Eliza's position rather than necessarily with Hamilton's position. Um, and, and by making it over the top, and you could even have George Washington arrive or something like that, it would be like, this is so heightened and so self-congratulatory and so like, oh, aren't we, you know, us male politicians making everything happen the best that we can be. But actually, the real thing to think about is the fact that, like, no, Betsy isn't happy, she's left. How You're... about... Again, just by pulling no, please. <laughs> How about we have... I'm just trying to think of like using our location. So we have some of these characters coming in and congratulating Hamilton, and then we have a really big statement of Betsy leaving and leaving the pub. So she goes out oh. the actual door, 
But at that moment, Hamilton tries to follow, tries mm. to follow Betsy, but we get a swathe, potentially George Washington, of more political-looking men in period drama come in to, again, over the top, congratulate him, shake his hand, so he cannot leave and follow her. I like that a lot. I like that. Because I was just going to suggest that she went and just sat with the audience in some way. But I think that's much better. I think that's really good. Yeah. She's left She's left the building. She's left the building. He, can't, he can't, yeah. physically cannot follow. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Because I think that's a lot of what it's about. That he kind is, of reconciles some of that. Yeah, yeah and yeah, he is yeah. trapped in this political world. And also, like, we... Because most of people know this story now because of the musical mm. people know how the history goes they mm. they know that they make up but it takes some time and so we've got all of that but I just think really I don't know as a final tableau just sort of sandwiching Hamilton in this political world yeah um, where his personal life yeah. cannot have and it's, and that's really cool because you could have you know most like pubs will have like some kind of back door yeah kind of thing. you could have she's left through the front door and then they all push him out the back door and yeah. at the end of the play and so it's not even like we you know we have like some freeze for him to blow and like a, a blackout no, yeah. like, but it's like he's just forced away and he's just in a completely different location at the end yeah. and then that's just the end yeah yeah do we, do we maybe not have a curtain call in this yeah I think, think so that yeah might be quite well, I'm, I'm definitely viewing it as, like, kind of almost a... Not quite an immersive experience, but, like, the audience, like, surrounding well, the Well, I was going to say, even sides. if he doesn't physically leave, it's mm. almost that, yeah, this sort of kind of, like, swathe of men come in, sort of trap him, someone buys him a round of drinks, and he just has to... They go back to just sitting and conversing at tables. Yeah, And absolutely. it's how it starts with everyone. Yeah, I think really you cool. could have an, an exact parallel. Yeah, um, that's really With cool. everyone sat at tables yeah. and chatting, and then that's how it ends again. And yeah. he, that's, yeah... That's also kind of crazy because it'd be like, <laughs> I feel like some of the audience wouldn't even realise that it's over as well. Like, yeah, kind of, it just yeah. kind of it ends and finishes in a way in which it's just kind of it just kind of fades. Yeah, from yeah, the pop. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, that I think is really cool. Yeah, That'd be so cool. And yeah. you could come in and not know that bit of play there That's as well, so cool. which yeah. I really like. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I think we've done it. Yeah. Is that it? I never thought we'd reconcile that. I woke up this morning <laughs> really panicking about that. Anyway. <laughs> um, Must give women agency. That, yeah, I think that. I mean, I mean, I think that does it though. I think it mm. gives Betsy the agency that yeah. she should have and that she does have in the the musical version. Yeah. And and I think that it kind of, and it makes us rethink. Okay, so all of these men can congratulate Hamilton, but yeah. actually, what do we think about Hamilton yeah. from a perspective outside of the and also, and also, world? What what does Hamilton think about Hamilton? Because I'm, there will be more conflict than in yeah. Mm. Yeah. Would, would we want to change Angelica's response to be more like it is in the musical where she goes with Eliza rather than against her? I think it, or, at first she could be against Eliza, but then when maybe when Eliza leaves, mm, she has a realisation yeah. and leaves with her yeah. or something like and that. That would be nice. And we're left with no women in that yeah. rabble because yeah. I think Definitely. that's I think what that's makes really the important. message very, yeah. very uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. Okay. Nice one. Yeah. If you wanted to read the actual play um, and get an idea of the sort of what we were talking about the whole way through, then it's available online and we'll put the link for it uh, in the description for anyone to read. Uh, thanks so much, Gemma, for coming on. We've had a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun. This Brilliant. is great. Maybe on my degree. Is there anywhere people can find you online, get in contact? Um, I have to admit, my I haven't had a phone for about 10 days. Um, I'm currently walking around with my laptop in the middle of Oxford trying to contact people. So honestly, just like write me a letter or something. Like, go old school. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Apparently Brilliant. not very contactable. <laughs> and Jake, where can people find you online? I am at Jake Reesh on Twitter and Instagram. That's 
Jake, R-E-E-S-H. And Caleb, where are you? I'm at Caleb Lebster on Twitter and Instagram. C-A-L-E-B-L-E-B-S-T-E-R. And we are Maybe You Like It Productions, and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast. We are Maybe You Like It with a text speak you on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find us on Facebook at Maybe You Like It Productions or online at www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk or drop us an email at info at maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. And those last ones are a, a real review. A real you. Of a regular style. With you. all of the three letters yeah. in the word. Okay, thanks for listening everyone. Maybe like that, maybe didn't. Yeah. Thank you very much. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Let's go get that. That was a Maybe You Like It production. Maybe you liked it, maybe you didn't. <laughs>